What's going on, Equity Chasers? Listen, man, welcome back to another episode of the Equity Tap Network. Listen, I'm going to tell you guys, do me a favor. I'm going to give you a second. Grab a pen, grab a pad, take out your phones. I need you to take some notes, man. I got my guy Lawrence Eccleston in the building. Uh, you guys may have seen him, man. He was a former Earning Leisure uh, Academy professor, 22-year-old, uh, I'm sorry, 23 now, man. Yeah, you know, 23-year-old millionaire <laughs> trader. Uh, and the owner of Black Wall Street Originals. So, man, I'm excited about this. Lawrence, listen, man, let me say this before we even get started. I know that you got a tight schedule, man, so I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule oh, to stop man, by. Definitely, man. Yeah, it feels man. good to be Memphis. Memphis uh, feels like, you know, the moment I stepped in, man, his history. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I could just see Dr. King walking these streets and everybody that put in the work. So you definitely feel that spirit in, in the building for sure. Yeah, man. And... What's so dope is this conversation is perfect because uh, I've been turning my audience or leading us more down the line of financial literacy. Yeah. And Memphis being a predominantly black city, man, cool. uh, we've been deprived of a lot of this information, resources, resources information. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive into it. It's one it. of the forgotten cities, man. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm going to have something later down the line where potentially I'm looking to do a forgotten city tour. Okay. I think a lot of times, like, people are always looking to go to the glamour cities, an ATL, a LA, yeah. a Miami, a New York. But like you said, a city like Memphis, right? Um, even like a city like a St. Louis or Chicago, sometimes they don't get the love they should. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And uh, things are changing, yeah. right? Uh, information is uh, readily available now. So it could be a gift and a curse because a lot of people don't know where to go to get the true right. information because there's a lot of imposters, right? <laughs> so, man, I've been checking out your content in preparation for this, man. You're the real deal. I appreciate so, that. Do me a favor, man, before we jump into this. Look, sure. I get excited about talking about business, man. Before sure. we jump in, do me a favor. Just kind of give people your background. Let them know a little bit about you, man. We're going to jump right into this thing. Yeah, so, um, you know, originally I was actually born in New York. Um you know, I was originally adopted when I was, you know, just pretty much a day old. So when I first came, you know, into the world, I already started, you know, with a strike against me. But I never let that really discourage me at all. Okay. Um, so I moved down here when I was pretty much 11 years old. My parents ended up divorcing. Um, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And when I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, um, it was like a culture shock to me. For me yeah. going from, you know, private Christian schools, private Catholic schools, to literally being thrown into now an atmosphere where I'm just around all of my people it was different, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was adjustment, but it was honestly the greatest thing um, that happened to me. So it gave me a sense of really independence. So um, when I was 11 years old, there was a show that came out that was actually called Suits. Um, and it Suits, was on yeah, the USA man. Network. That's my yeah. show. <laughs> so Suits really was what really inspired me to like kind of get into that business savvy mindset, right? Yeah, yeah, I looked yeah. at people like Harvey Specter mm -hmm. as someone who was serious about his business. I looked at someone like Mike Ross, who had an incredible memory, yeah, who yeah, was a, sure. a star-studded uh, person. So, you know, that's what really inspired me to kind of remain sharp. Um, you know, at 13, I got my first job. Um, I was actually sweeping at my uh, barbershop. The barber, he still cut my hair okay. um, now, but I was sweeping up at his shop. And that was literally my first job, was passing out flyers yeah. um, and me sweeping at his shop. Sure. Then um, literally, literally, literally right down the way, uh, there was a pizza restaurant, and that was actually my second job, pretty much at 15 years old. Uh, I wasn't even supposed to be hired yet, so technically you're not really supposed to be working there until 16, yeah. but I got hired at 15. <laughs> that was going to be my question, man. You got started early. Yeah. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. So it's just like, you know, for me, I was always just about doing things the right way, the legal yeah. way, hustling, you know, the right way. Um, and then, you know, I was 17 years old, about to graduate high school, and then I'm in economics class, and I realized, yo, I'm wasting a lot of time. Like, I know I'm about to graduate. I know I'm pretty much ahead of my class. Like, cool. Yeah. Like, college is already booked up. 
But it's like, I want more for myself. I realized like, you know, getting a degree and just going and getting a job, like that's what was sold to me the whole high school. Yeah, yeah. But towards my last year of high school, I'm like, I don't know if that really just makes sense. Okay. So I'm like, I'm gonna still do this college thing, but I need something else. Yeah, I need yeah. something that's gonna help me build capital, not just right now, but also for the future. Yeah. So that's kind of really how I got my start. Um, 17 years old in economics class, my teacher, Mr. Postel. Okay. You know, it's like, yo, study the world economics, not just U.S. Yeah. And the one thing I've seen across the board was all the wealthiest people in the world were people who invested in stocks or real estate. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I just chose true. at that point to go the stock direction and start right. studying the financial markets. Uh, you know, I ended up making my first investments. Literally, I opened my first brokerage account the day I turned 18, yeah. October 12, 2017. <laughs> so I was like, yo, I'm like, I'm opening these brokerage accounts. You know, I'm ready to invest. You know, yeah. I, was, I was studying all of that. So I looked at things like when I first got started as an investor, I looked at things that people complained about, right? Okay. okay. Um, so the things that people complained about was like either A, waiting too long mm. um, for how things were coming in the mail when they were shopping online. Okay. Um, you know, whether it was cable bills, right? So I just, you know, focused on what people were complaining about and I invested in things like Shopify, yeah. um, Roku. Mm-hmm. Uh, even transacting money. I was an original investor in um, Square in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so just like even Tesla. So I just focused on like the future. So instead of, because what I feel like a lot of young people are told is like, yo, in your 20s, mm-hmm. go party, spend all the money you can. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, yo, if I focus on my late teens and my early 20s, I always knew that I could become rich at a young age. Yeah, 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 for sure. Man, I think that's interesting because you said something that was key, right? Mm-hmm. Most people typically, once you think about successful real estate or millionaires, they have real estate or they have stocks. But a lot of people tend to go the real estate route mm-hmm. because it's it's probably a little bit easier to mm-hmm. understand. I took a stock course, man, two years ago for the first time. And when I tell you it was like learning a new language, yeah. I got discouraged big time. So at such an early age, man, what was the attraction to the stock market? Yo, it was, it was sitting there looking at the pictures of, you know, these wealthy individuals like Paul Tudor Jones, Warren Buffett's, right? Yeah. And it's me looking at all of these individuals. Okay. And none of them were my skin color. Yeah, yeah. So that was really like the motivation. Like, it's like, okay, well, I've seen a couple of people in real estate that are my skin color really eating. Yeah. But all I see is white people that are eating from the stock market at the time. Okay. Right? That's all I saw. So I'm like, I got to change the culture. I could change the narrative. So that was really why, really why I went the stock route too. I got you, got you. Yeah. So man, earn your leisure, call you the Wiz Kid. Oh, uh, I right. saw uh, Jay Morrison, man, he honored you as well for, sure. uh, for a lot of the work, man, that you've been doing. How did you connect with those guys? Yeah, so it was crazy because shout out to my main man, Jamal Thomas. Um, well, we had a conversation before we went on air, Clubhouse yeah. Connection. Yeah, yeah, So, sure. you know, I told you about how when I first started speaking on Clubhouse, everyone kind of just gravitated to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I exchange information with Jamal. Jamal is really one of the guys that's like on the background of EYL, okay. but he's he's one of the main reasons EYL became as big as they are. Gotcha. So he's he you know he scouted me as talent, and he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna get you on here." And um, he ended up connecting me with uh, Troy and um, Rashad, and then I ended up coming teaching in their program. So it was crazy because I was like, actually, um, I was literally sitting with my wife okay. and. Um, I got a phone call. It was like 7.40 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. And at like, there, uh, Jamal called me. He's like, yo, um, our teacher called out in the university tonight. Can you come on and teach in like 20 minutes? Yeah. And it's like teach 500 people in like 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, 
I mean, for me, it's like I really do this, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need no warm up. I don't need no preparation. Yeah. The PowerPoint's ready. Whatever you need me to talk about, I'm gonna just come on there and talk about. It. So I spoke to their 500 people on there, and people was begging me to come back. I was yeah. the most highly requested professor in their university, wow. and they were begging me to come back. Okay, so that's how that happened with Jay Morrison. Um, it was August of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so he had the Black House, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the Tusla, funded by the Tusla Real Estate Fund, yeah. and so he had that building. Uh, he ended up obviously having to close that building during COVID, like, uh, you know, a lot of other businesses. So they had a direct revenue hit. You know, business was hurting because literally they opened in a month before COVID hit. They opened in January 2020, February 2020 shut down. Okay. So when it opened back up in August 2020, um, I was literally one of the only people in there. Yeah. So I started working in a co-working space, uh -huh. uh, creating content, running some of my classes through there. I was having live classes. Sure. He came and he really just seen the work that I was putting in, seen how I was helping people make money, impacting people. Um, and then he kind of just reached out, was like, yo, let's partner. And then yeah. we ended up partnering on a couple of deals, um, doing some stuff. And now I'm still there. I still show up to the Black House. And then he named me a Black House hero. Um, wow, so now I go in there and work just off the strength that I'm a Black House hero. All yeah, the yeah. business I brought in, you know, everything that I've done for the Black House, he honored me and, you know, is super appreciative. So, yeah. Man, that's dope, man. And, and one of the things that I'm interested in is being at such a young age, right? We know Jay Boyce and we know Earn Your Leisure. Like, these guys are huge, right? In, right. in the industry, in the financial literacy industry. Yeah. And, man, for you to show up in that space, you know what I'm saying? And not only just show up, but command respect because you knew the information, man. Like, right. how do you show up in those spaces, man, being yeah, so young? Yeah, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know, super shout out to Jay and shout out to Troy and Rashad as well and, and, and Jamal and, and a lot of different people. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to Wall Street Trapper as well, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually had a conversation similar to what you just said, right? Um, me and Wall Street Trapper, we were actually sitting on top of, we was at EYL's first and best best VIP party. Me and him had a conversation and he said something that was really profound. I told my wife about it. Wall Street, Wall Street Trapper was pretty much just like, yo, you know, the sky's the limit mm -hmm. uh, for you. You know what I'm saying? You got all the gifts, all the tools just remember that because sometimes people will try to play with you with your value yeah right yeah, so sure. you know there's been an equal amount just an equal amount of good sometimes when you are a little bit younger mm -hmm. you know people do try to play you a little bit yeah yeah so it's just about really just being even killed that's one thing that i really uh, learned over the time was just making sure that i keep a level head especially mm -hmm. when i'm talking about because all the people i do business with for the yeah. most part are either double my age or at least half my age older. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's like 35 and up. Yeah, yeah. because man, people uh, your age, right, they're, they're doing exactly what you said you didn't want to do. Now, Correct. They, 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 they've been told that these are the best times of their lives and they need to enjoy it. Which but, is true. Yeah. But it, there, there's a cost to it too. When you enjoy it, when you're, when a lot of times people think that the only way you can enjoy life is by getting sloppy drunk, mm -hmm. being high all day, yeah. being strung out on drugs, yeah. spending all your money, you know, but in the reality it's like life becomes so much more easier when you do everything in moderation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now that's dope, man. I, and, and that's going to kind of transition us into the, the topic of trading, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of want to frame it, man, because what I realized in our community, right, and we talked about this, financial literacy is the new buzzword. So a lot of people are now starting to wrap mm -hmm. their minds around, okay, how do I invest in real estate? How do I invest in mm -hmm. different things? But we're coming from a deficit. Because right. a lot of people have already racked up debt, right? Correct. They've made the, the liability purchases instead of the assets. Yep. So from where you're sitting at, man, I want to let's dive into the trading piece. 
I know um, you, you, you've been killing the game with options. Mm -hmm. uh, so for somebody that's on the other side of the camera that may want to get into the game but don't yeah. necessarily know how to start, man, how did you get started in the trading and why options? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so great, great, great question right there. Yeah. Um, so I, one thing that I always tell people is, especially to what you said, right, uh, let's describe that person because I think it's important, right? Mm -hmm. It's the easiest thing for me to do would be to come on this podcast and tell everyone to hop into options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what you should be doing. Okay. What you should do first is really you should audit your financial health, mm. right? So you said something that was important. A lot of times people are trying to trade or invest off of desperation. Yeah. Whether sure. they have medical bills or a car, whatever they may have that's hurting them financially. Yeah. So the number one thing that helped me get better in my position now was that I was willing to get an extra job, even though I really didn't need it. Okay. So one part that I didn't say at 17, I had two jobs, okay. but I didn't need to necessarily have two jobs, but I wanted to because yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew by me having extra income, I was able to now have more money to invest. Yeah. So I never tell people you should be sacrificing your you know, your your rent money to trade on the stock market. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think a lot of times people are like making that mistake. So yeah. I think the number one thing for people is creating more income for themselves. Okay. Whether that be an extra side hustles, whether that be an extra job. Yeah. Like, because you need to really have money to actually invest. Okay. And then number two is you need to cut back on your spending. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, like you said, especially for us as a lot of times black people, because everything that's put in our face to be honest with you, it's super expensive. Yeah. Like, everyone feels like, yo, I got to wear a designer to be accepted. Yeah. Right? So, for me, I wear, like, a lot of times, like, I, this is ASOS. This is, like, a $70 fit. Okay. You feel me? But for the most part, I wear a lot of, like, my different people's brands. Shout out to my guy, The Real Tez, One Love Clothing, yeah, yeah. World Vision. Okay. Like, I wear a lot of black people clothing brands because I would rather put money in their pockets. And to be completely honest with you their quality of clothing is really just on the same level as the designer when you wash it to be fair too yeah yeah right so for me it's like i think that's also an issue as well too you can't really do both okay. you can't be over leveraging debt and invest mm -hmm. it's a recipe really for a disaster okay okay so yeah so it's cleaning that up first for sure so man talk to me about some of the initial first tradings that you had yeah. right because like I said, I took a course and I started trading, man, mm -hmm. and I got bit by the bug. Um, and I was doing day trading, right? Mm -hmm. Had a little bit of capital, man, where I was leveraging and then did some uh, margins and stuff like that. And uh, I enjoyed it, man. And you were able to really make some money quick, mm -hmm. but I had a specific play. And mm -hmm. when that play dried up, I started losing income in the stock market, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people initially get bit by the bug, right? We talk about mm -hmm. crypto and all these things, <laughs> and they jump into the market. Yeah. And I've heard you say this: the play may you might get lucky, and the play may work the first time. Yeah. But, but you got to build a strategy. Yeah, yeah. Talk so, to me about yeah, that. So yeah, let's talk about strategy. So for me, I realized in the stock market, um, you have to find your edge, okay. and there's things whether there's economic reports. Yeah. Right. So there's reports that come out every month, literally at the same time. Okay. And depending on the outcome of the re that report, the market can go up or go down. For sure. Right? So I, I use those economic reports as an edge. Okay. For example, I'll give you one. The CPI. This is the Consumer Price Index. Okay. This measures inflation. So if inflation is going up or if inflation is going down, that's dramatically going to affect how the stock market may move that given day. Yeah. You also have something called earnings reports, right? Yeah. So when a company is getting ready to report their financial numbers, how much revenue they have, 
you know, their their income, all, all of that different stuff, you know, on one day. Leading up to that event, a lot of times stock prices go higher in okay. anticipation. So it's like I sat back. One thing I would tell people is sit back for like, I would say three to six months. Don't really trade any of your money. Mm-hmm. Sit back and watch the everyday behavior of the stock market, okay. the economic reports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the earnings reports. Yeah. Pay attention to how those things affect the market and that will kind of give you an edge because the majority of what i did in the beginning was sitting back observing and watching and game plan now i find myself in similar trades month to month all the time because i know the patterns and the behaviors because the market repeats itself it's a cycle Mm. so if you're able to kind of get in tune with the behavior that kind of repeat themselves that Mm -hmm. gives you an edge Okay, okay. Makes sense. You said something about the earnings reports, right? I know you said the other report, the CPI, comes out, is it daily? So it comes out the second week of every month. Second week. How often do companies do their earning reports? So uh, pretty much every three months. So you get four a year. So every quarter. Every quarter. Okay. So, man, talk to me about um, maybe a trade that changed the game for you, bro. Yeah, Was it one of those things where... You just made multiple trades and you saw your, you know, the success or what what was one of like yeah, those so, big trades? Yeah, so the beginning so the beginning the beginning part of my trades was, you know, I was making like two hundred dollars on a trade, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. Okay. So my goal when I was in college, like my uh when I first started trading in college, I was eighteen years old. Gotcha. My goal was like if I can make like a hundred to two hundred dollars a day, mm-hmm. like that's gonna add up over time. My goal was originally, how can I create a $50,000 a year income from trading? Okay. As a college student, I was the richest person on my campus. Yeah. So now I have figured out a way and a method to now literally go ahead and build this capital little by little. Mm -hmm. So I'm in class, like I'm in my college class and I'm trading. Yeah. It's so bad that the (laughs) professor comes up to me and is like, yo, what you doing on the computer? Yeah. And I told my professor... I think his name was like Dr. May. And I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm trading. This is how I pay to be here. Uh-huh. You know, same way you get paid to do it. I told him straight up, same way you get paid to teach me, yeah. this is how I pay to be here. For sure. You know, he didn't really like that. So I had to go to the dean's office. Uh, shout out to um, Dean Jeff Jacobs. He sat me down and he said, listen, the last person I had in my office wasn't doing nothing like you. Yeah. I can't kick you out of school for <laughs> making money to be in school. Yeah. So he was like, listen, um, I'm going to shoot you down to shout out, uh, Billy Battle. Okay. Uh, I was not Billy Battle, uh, Billy Evans, mm-hmm. and he shot me down to Billy Evans. He was actually the director of the financial aid. Okay. So through that, I actually ended up, my, my name around campus started buzzing, mm-hmm. and I became an actual teacher while I was still in college. How funny is that? Wow. So I started teaching financial <laughs> literacy classes on my campus. Yeah. I was getting paid like ten to 15000 a semester. Wow. Literally, you know, money that was coming in, extra money that I had to invest. And so I lived, like I said, for for me, that's that's really weird. How old were you when you were teaching in college? Man, I was teaching in my dorm room. I was teaching on college campus. I was like 18, 19, yeah. 20 years old. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Hey, it's it's a buzzword that I wanted to uh, get some clarity from mm-hmm. you on. And it's this uh, retail traders. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Or- so, so great question. Um, I consider it, I won't say good. I, well, I would say it's kind of disrespectful, right? Okay. Um. Because really what it means is like, obviously retail, when you think about retail, when you go and buy some retail price, you know you're paying the highest price. Yeah. When you get something wholesale, you know you're obviously getting it in bulk, you're getting it in cheap. Yeah. So when I hear the word retail traders, it's kind of like disrespectful because really it just tells you one thing, that everyone who's a retail trader, they're set up really for failure. Okay. 
So when you say that, like, well, not you, but like when when people say that, right? Because if institutions buy stuff at wholesale and then yeah. sell them to retail traders, what does mm -hmm. that mean? They you're they're using retail traders as exit liquidity. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's why I always tell people don't listen to the news because think about this, right? You have these big banks, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, all of these companies. They'll buy a stock in its infancy. Okay. Then all of a sudden they'll run an ad campaign, right, on yes. CNBC, mm -hmm. right? That and they'll pay all these people on CNBC and these networks to talk about this stock. Yeah. And that what all the people that are sitting at home on their couches or driving to work, listening to the radio, however they listening, and they hear that person that they believe is super credible, like a Jim Cramer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So Jim Cramer, he gives a lot of stock picks. This is a good example. Mm -hmm. And all of his stock picks fail for the most part. 90% wow. of his stock picks, when he talks about them, whether he says it's going to go up or down, it goes the other way. So what does that tell you? That tells you that they got him in his back in the back pocket yeah, yeah, yeah. to literally talk about the to, to reverse, right? Get you to do something, because think about it. They tell him to come on telling you to buy something, mm -hmm. it's because they already bought it. Yeah. And they need you to buy they it so it. they can exit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So they pump it. Wow, he's on TV every single day. Exactly. Look, let's do this, man. Yep. In, in the most simplest way possible, mm -hmm. can you just give us a quick example of mm -hmm. the definition of this trading in general? Like, mm -hmm. you got the options, you got day trading, you got long-term trading, you also got crypto. Correct. Like, if somebody's on the other end and not familiar with this at all, like, could you give them just yeah. an example of what yeah, trade so basic, Yeah, so basic. So if you're a long-term investor, it's the simplest form. You buy shares in a company in exchange for equity, even okay. in its smallest percentage form. So you're buying shares in return, right, for equity. And as that stock price goes up, you make money, mm -hmm. right? Now with options, it's different, right? You have no ownership of anything. Okay. It's a contract that can either increase in value or decrease. Okay. And that's based upon the movement. You have something that's called a call or a put. Yeah. So if the op if the stock goes up and you have a call, you make money. If okay. the stock goes down and you have a put, you make money. Okay. So this is an instrument that you're able to now make money from the stock going two directions. Gotcha. Right. So options are still look, there's more complexities to it as well too. Mm -hmm. But that's the basic uh, principles of options, right? Okay. Then as well, uh, you mentioned something about cryptocurrency and digital assets, right? Yeah. Um, so you have two main digital assets, Bitcoin and Ethereum. So mm -hmm. when Bitcoin was created, there was only a finite amount that was created. Okay. So big, like really most cryptos, pretty much all, right, mm -hmm. are literally moving off of supply and demand. The more supply and less demand, the less the price, right? Because that's anything. If you have a ton of supply and a little amount of demand, the yeah. price is going to be low. But when you have a little amount of supply and a high amount of demand, that's what causes prices to go up. Okay. So that's how Bitcoin really works in its simplest form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you know, you know, Bitcoin is a finite asset. So when it is high in demand, price will soar. Okay. When it's okay. low in demand, obviously price will come down. Yeah. Okay. And crypto has been so volatile. You've seen people that have, you know, made a lot of money, but yeah. you see a lot of people in, in most cases that have lost a lot of money. You see, so I'm gonna explain something in its simplest form. So every four years, you have something that's called Bitcoin halving. Bitcoin halving. Correct. Okay. So when I talk about that supply, the amount of supply that comes to market every four years mm -hmm. gets slashed in half. Okay. So why, why does it get slashed in half? Because it was always designed to be a finite asset. So okay. by 2,136, all the Bitcoin will be mine. Okay. Wow. So it's a finite resource. Mm -hmm. So it's just like if we had this room filled of 
iPhones, and these was the last iPhones on earth. Yeah. The more and more that there's less iPhones, the higher it's gonna go from five thousand to ten thousand yeah, yeah, to fifteen thousand as far as price, because it's a little bit left. For sure. So that's where you see these accusations, and you know when people are talking about Bitcoin's going to a hundred thousand or a quarter, a quarter of a million dollars for a Bitcoin, mm -hmm. it's because it's finite. So every four years this happens. Okay. Happened in 2016, 2020, and it's happening next year in 2024. Okay. Now, if you take a look at the price of Bitcoin, after each halving in 2016, look at what happened in 2017. Mm -hmm. Big rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2020, look what happened in 2021. Big rally. Yeah. So, guess what? In 2024, it's going to happen again. Okay. And what can you expect? Another new all-time high. Okay. It's going to happen. So, would it be wise to go ahead and start looking at investing now? So, when it do You always want to invest in what they call the winter. Right, where you see sideways action, you always want to invest during the winter. The sideways action, yeah. Correct. Okay. Man, look, look, let's transition because I know you said that uh, you started studying uh, economics, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and utilizing that to determine what stocks are going to do. Correct. So I've been hearing this new buzzword about smart cities and all this good stuff. Correct. And I think I've even heard you talk a little bit about that, man. Yep. Give me yeah. a, talk to me a little bit about that, man. Break that down. Yeah, so this was one thing that I was super big on, right? Okay. And I always tell people, when it comes to economics, I get it. A lot of people think that the U.S. is so far ahead of the rest of the world, but I'm going to be real with you, man. You need to pay attention to China always first, man. Mm -hmm. China is ahead of the game when it comes to technology. Yeah, yeah. And they already have smart cities. Okay. They already have cameras everywhere watching people. They already like, so what we see happening here in America that's happening little by little, it's already done happening in China. Give me an example. Like, so, like, for uh, I, I just mentioned, as far as the smart cities, as far as cameras being everywhere, now you've got those digital cameras, mm -hmm. right? You also think about, you know, smart cities that are being built that are running off of chips, right? Mm -hmm. Running off of solar, things like solar energy yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So those are just kind of some of, the, some of those examples. Now, when you think about here in America, electric vehicles is a lot different even in China as well, too, Yeah. right? Where there's more electric vehicles from a percentage standpoint of people who drive cars okay. um, in China. Now you start to think about this, imagine this country being ran off of one network, mm -hmm. which is happening okay. as we speak. So when you think about smart cities, what's the thing you think about when you think about a computer? What's made up of a computer? Coding, codes, technology, chips. Thank you. Uh, you, said that, you said that word, soft, yeah. chips and software. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about investments, if we take a look at some of the top investments, even just this year, it's been NVIDIA, mm -hmm. AMD, okay. TSM, and these are chip-making companies. Okay. Because if you think about it, none of the, none of, none of the stuff that we have mm -hmm. is really here without chips. Okay. okay. These new computers, yeah. the, Apple, um, the Apple Vision that's about to come out, the MetaQuest, like, yeah. the iPhone, the Apple Watch on my wrist, none of this stuff is here without chips. Mm -hmm. Right? So... We have to consider that when we start start thinking about smart cities, chips is a main factor and point of that. Okay. Also, electric vehicle networks as well, too. We see with Tesla supercharging network. Mm -hmm. If you look yeah. and pay attention, now you have these other companies like Ford and GM that are saying, yo, we give up, man. We can't keep up with you guys in this charter space. We just got to use your stuff. Yeah. So now everything moving towards that one network, and that's what you kind of really see. Cool, yeah. cool. Man, you study uh, economics and you're looking at, you know, charts and things like that all the time, man. Are we in a recession? And mm -hmm. if not, are we headed to one? So what I always tell people is that the market always recovers before the news does. Okay. To be fair, um, 
I believe we've been in a recession this this whole like last year. Okay. Yet the news is still talking about a recession is coming. Mm-hmm. Now, why would I say we're in a recession? Once again, I don't listen to to people's opinions too much. I just look at the numbers. Okay. The numbers will tell you. If credit card debt is at an all time high, what I mean, what does that kind of tell you? Yeah. That tell I mean that pretty much tells you right there. Credit card debt is at an all time high. When you're going to banks now, banks have cut back on lending. Mm. Right? I was just having a conversation before I came on here. One of my business partners, we have a, a business account with a with a bank, I won't say, mm-hmm. but they stopped doing credit cards right yeah. now. So the, like you don't need to have the television tell you we're in a recession. Yeah. You could just listen to <laughs> what's actually happening yeah, 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 with yeah. the numbers and the statistics, and yeah. you can pay attention to real life. So you fine tune to it, right? Yeah. It's like once you are, uh, once you do it so much, you automatically see. It's like opportunity, right? Correct. Uh, you can see those things, but for the average person that ain't studying yeah. these things, there's some good indicators. There's, those some good at, indicators. Yeah. Even take a look at, you know, the the rate of people buying cars right now. Okay. And then also another important thing to always pay attention to is interest rates. Interest rates. Okay. Interest rates right now are at this highest level since I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. That was back in pretty much 2007, 2008, right? Where interest mm-hmm. rates are now hitting super high. Yeah. And so the cost of borrowing money, cost of borrowing capital has literally put a damper into a lot of people's pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the credit markets, we're seeing it drying up. Yep. You're seeing, uh, you know, people struggling to flip houses, right? You're starting yep. to see that. So that's where, you know, real estate um, obviously, you know, goes up over a period of time. But when we talk about fixing and flipping, it's mm-hmm. difficult to do that in this type of market right yeah, now. Yeah. Where the market is, you know, where interest rates are higher, yeah, prices yeah. are, you know, the gap. So, yeah. Man, look, that's a, that's a good segue. I kind of want to package two questions in one. Gotcha. So, we've been hearing that uh, the black economy mm-hmm. is going to go to zero network by mm-hmm. 2020, uh, 2053. Mm-hmm. And we also um, have been seeing the Fed's print more money. Correct. Right. During this, uh, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, man, how does that affect this 2053 number for black mm-hmm. people, you know, having a zero network? Yeah. And how does that affect the market right now? Yeah. So I would say so two things. Right. Um, we got to really look out for each other on that one. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about we don't we're not vertical as black people. Uh, us as a whole, we're not vertically integrated. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Right, like we struggle to even produce anything. Actually, what actually do we produce? Yeah. Let's start there. So everything that we get is from someone, somebody else that is outside of our complexion and our culture. For sure. For right. Sure. When you take a look at other communities, they keep things in house. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it's good to be here in Memphis because that was something that Dr. King was talking about. Right. Like, we have to really keep things in house. Like, I'll be real with you. Um, you know, desegregation was important, um, but I think we strayed a lot away from our actual neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just because, okay, cool, I get it. We wanted to be accepted into certain places. We want to make sure when we went to a restaurant, we wasn't spat on. Yeah. We want to make sure when we got on the bus, we wasn't kicked. For sure. We want to make sure that when we was out just driving around, we didn't get pulled over and, you know, potentially just get beat and killed. Yeah. But I think we kind of got to the point where we strayed away from actually keeping our businesses within our community though too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we just yeah. wanted to be pretty much just left alone. Like don't bother me. Don't yeah. come over here and cause ruckus. Don't yeah, come yeah. over here and try to kill me. Mm-hmm. Don't come over here and try to touch my children or my wife. Yeah. That's really what we wanted. And we got that, you yeah. know what I'm saying? To a certain degree, it's for still sure, issues. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but a, way better than where it was in the 60s, mm-hmm. right? But now we've gotten to the point where we're not spending 
none of our money with each other. Yeah. Which is crazy because we actually, ha in my opinion, there's more things to spend money on with black people than there was in the 60s. Mm. But yet we're spending a lot less. Yeah with each other you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah. like from a percentage standpoint obviously we're spending more from a dollar because yeah, yeah, yeah. because obviously there's more money in existence now. For sure, for sure. but from a percentage standpoint it's significantly declined yeah yeah so it's about that's why i always am like purposely like my wife would tell you my laundry is full of just black colon brands yeah yeah like it's important for me to for me to have that mm -hmm. but when we think about this what black auto manufacturer do we have we don't that so 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 not not that we could think of. Yeah. So if we could collaborate more, everything we, all, all these cars are German, Italian, all the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All foreign, right? For the most part. So how do we create that system more? It comes first with camaraderie. Okay. Because we have to be able to respect each other and yeah. want to work with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we gotta take that crab in a barrel mentality out of it. But it's also super hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because you got people that's growing up in in hoods here in America. Yeah that are breeded to, you only will win if you take that person out. Yeah. Like, so it's like, it's the mentality struggle too. And I, I'm not saying that it's right, but what I'm saying is, is that that's what you're born into. Yeah, yeah. You're born into, yo, you gotta take what he got mm -hmm. in order to get here. Yeah, because we don't and think it, it's enough. We don't think it's enough. So yeah. we always have this scarcity mindset instead of thinking like, and we also got the lone wolf mindset too. Mm -hmm. But the lone wolf mindset come from not being able to trust somebody. Yeah. So it's the lack of trust, yeah. which is understandable. But then you also got to guilty. I, I've been guilty of that a lot. The lone wolf yeah, mindset. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I can I can admit that I'm guilty of the lone wolf mindset. Yeah. But it's, it is difficult when you do bring brothers together mm -hmm. and you guys sit at the table and say, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah. And then you got like four Judases at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's difficult. Man, look, while you in town, man, a lot of stuff that you're talking about, me and my friends, we sit around and talk about this all the time. I'm from uh, Orange Mound. I don't know if you ever heard of it, mm -hmm. but it's a historical black community. Uh, actually, one of the only black communities here in America that was built for African-Americans by African-Americans. So I grew mm -hmm. up in the neighborhood. Uh, big artists like uh, A-Ball, MJG, I don't know if you've ever heard of yeah, them, but they're from Orange Mound, man. You guys got to go through the community while you're here uh, and check it out, man. But it's exactly what you're saying, right? We, we, desegregation killed those neighborhoods because Correct. you had your doctors, you had your lawyers, you mm -hmm. had everybody in one place to where we can feed off of each other. But once you look at the community now, I'm a big Claude Anderson fan, right? Yeah. The hood goes bankrupt every day at five o'clock because we don't own anything. Correct. Like these business owners, they take the money and they go across town and they're nice neighborhoods, right? And Correct. leave us with, with nothing. Correct. Which, man, kind of want to transition. I've been seeing the work that you've been doing with pulling up in the hoods, right, man? Sure. Talk to me about that movement, man. I think that's so dope because you've seen a level of success, right? Mm -hmm. But you're still hungry, and not only that, but you're still giving back, man. How did that start? Yeah, so it actually started with Jay. So Jay uh, did a series which is called The Corner Class. Okay. So it really inspired me to honestly do any, like as far as the, like, the tours and the traveling, because it's like, you know, I've been to, you know, rough places in, in Brooklyn. You know, I've been to rough places in Detroit, uh, New Jersey. Um, and it's inspiring because every time I go there, the people are hungry for it. Yeah. And it shows you that, honestly, they just hadn't been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And they and, and the exposure, like you said, the Internet, yeah, people have more access. But if you had the Internet but really don't know what to look for, yeah. it's still really useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So. For sure. 
um, I enjoy going into those rough neighborhoods uh, because that's the communities that need it the most. And I'll be honest with you, that's where some of the the biggest executors are there too. Mm. So a lot of people think, well, yo, you go in there, are they really taking it serious? You know, some of those people is just looking to hear my voice and to find a way out of whatever they have going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's dope, man. Look, let's transition to uh to education, mm -hmm. mindset, right? Yeah. I'm a strong believer, man, that everything that you manifest probably starts with a thought. Yeah. Where does the thought come from? It comes from your mind, right? So as you invest in your mind, mm -hmm. right, you can manifest opportunities. Correct. Uh, talk to me a little bit about mentorship, man, and what your education looked like. I know you've had some key figures that yeah. kind of help you mm -hmm. uh, at different stages of your life, man. Who yeah. are some key mentors, yeah. and what role did they play in kind of helping you out? Yeah, I would say that one of my first mentors was uh, Julian. He was uh, He's my barber. That was the one that gave me my first job. Uh, really just, you know, him being, a, you know, someone to lean on. Uh, you know, me not really having a father around, you know, having someone, you know, to kind of speak to and talk to. And then another barber that was actually in that shop as well too, Mr. Dana, um, Dana Rivers, he was an important figure, just kind of, you know, staying on me to, uh, you know, always make sure, because the thing was, it was like, he would have the trouble kids that was in school come get their haircut from him, and okay. I was getting my haircut from him and being around the barbershop. Gotcha. So he would always tell me, like, you know, I talked to X, Y, and Z person to keep them out of trouble, but yo, you know, I'm on you just as hard, you know what I'm saying, stay away from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he would tell me, because Mr. Danny, you know, he had a past, and he would tell me he used to be those other guys that were in high school with me gotcha. that, you know, had some popularity, but they ended up being mess-ups. Yeah, and yeah, Mr. Yeah. Danny was like, yo, I've been there. I've been on top, but then I see my life fall apart and, you know, stay the course. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would say those are two mentors, like, early on. And then another mentor that I had as well um, was actually Mark Monroe. He's yeah. pretty much like my, my mentor now. I'm on the Come Up series. Uh, you know, yeah, he was the five. come together? Yeah, so I actually, uh, shout out to my uh, good brother, Uncle Charles. He was like, um, you know, we're looking to add someone here to, uh, you know, the Come Up series. Um, and, you know, potentially down the line, you should connect with Mark. Yeah. And um, it just, it kind of just hit it off. It felt like with Mark Monroe, I talked to myself like 15 years in the future. Okay. Right? Like yeah. we got a similar type background where he actually put his refund checks from college in the stock market. Okay. I did the same thing too. <laughs> Me and him are both big WWE fans. So it's kind of like Spider-Man meme. You know mm. that Spider-Man meme when Spider-Man, the two uh, Spider-Mans pointing at each other like, oh, you Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you Mark Monroe? Oh, I'm Lawrence? So it's like kind of like talking, like I said, talking to myself 15 years in the future. Yeah, bro, that's dope, man. Um, keep it real with me. I wanna, I wanna dive into education, right, because a lot of entrepreneurs think that uh, they have a misconception of what it actually takes, right? Yeah. And like I said, when I started studying the stock market, it was like a second language. It was yeah. very difficult. And, you know, at your age, man, you've been able to consume this information and really make sense of it. What does your daily education look like? Man, it, it literally starts with me waking up like, you know, 5, 6 a.m., rolling over, and honestly, just reading the top of CNBC and the top of Yahoo Finance. Okay. Like, that's where it starts, right? Um, me checking you know, where the markets are, right? Mm -hmm. um, me seeing what companies are moving. So my daily education consumes of me always looking at every day, there's another opportunity. There's something, there's a stock that may be moving. There's investment that I should be looking at. Yeah. So that's my daily education. For sure. Um, then I also as well, you know, I do like to listen to um, a lot of, sometimes I listen to like different stuff on Bloomberg. Okay. I'm just kind of consuming the knowledge and, and things like that. So. 
you know, that's a lot of what I'm doing. So it, it pertains to really just a lot of reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also going over, you know, my things that I've done in the past and how I can get better from them. So, okay. And and I know that you have the BWSO Academy, man, where um, you're teaching people a lot yeah, of the information. That you know, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that, man. Let people know how they can kind of get involved. Yeah, yeah it? it was crazy. I actually started my community, Black Wall Street Originals, literally in my dorm room. I used to invite, you know, tw like I remember my first class, I had like six people. Okay. And then next week it was like 12 and it just kept growing. It got to the point where it was like, you know, I couldn't even fit any more people in my dorm room to learn about stocks and learn about trading. Yeah. Um, and then now I've taught, you know, well over tens of thousands of people across the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's crazy because it feels like now anytime I go outside, someone's like, yo, you changed my life or. You know, you helped me. Like I remember one time, me and my wife, we uh, we were actually heading home, um, heading to uh, my mother-in-law's house in New York. Okay. And this young lady, she tapped me. She was like, "Hey, I'm about to go to Dubai, and it's all because of me being a part of your group." Mm -hmm. So just hearing like stuff like that, like when you go outside and you know people are embracing you and thanking you, and you get to see literally how you transform people's lives. That's what you know is grateful for me. So I started that. Um, and BWS, so I teach, you know, everything just pretty much like live. So, you know, I have videos for people to come on, on board in, but I do a plethora of live classes where I show them actually, you know, what I'm doing in the markets and why. So for sure, for sure. I live trade with my students so they can see, okay, well, why did Lawrence take this particular trade? Okay. What was the technical reason? So you pretty much get a, get a conglomerate of just pretty much information yeah. that you can execute on. Okay. You know, not just something that you could just, you know, take, read and you forget about, but not a consistent community. For yeah. sure. What, uh, how do people get involved? What can they go and find out the information? Yeah, in? yeah so it's bwsoacademy.com. Okay, okay. Yep. So man, you've accomplished so much, you know, at a young age. And I know I've said this mm -hmm. quite a few times, man, because I, I think it's one of those things where so many people, like I said at the beginning, were deprived of information, but you're a testament to what you can accomplish when you with, go out there and seek it when you go out there and seek it man there's nothing that's holding you back but yeah. your your own mentality your own mentality yeah man. yeah to ignore the urges like i was i was my freshman uh my first semester in college mm -hmm. i'm on a computer 10 11 o'clock at night reading on investopedia.com yeah i can hear the girls in the hallway screaming mm -hmm. right partying yeah. living it up i can hear people knocking at my door Lawrence, come on, come on, come on. We're going to search and search room. And I'm on my computer. I literally was on my computer, you know, reading, and I cut on Team Wolf. Yeah. That's what my nights consisted of. I was a big Team Wolf fan. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm working, man. I'm, you know, I'm working from literally, you know, 8 a.m. when my classes was 8 a.m. to 12. Okay. Then I would go to work from, like, 2 to 10. Then I'll come back home, and boom. On the work, finishing up some homework, typing some papers, English eleven oh one, yeah, and boom, you know I'm on this market stuff. Yeah, yeah, man, that's a sacrifice that most people wouldn't wouldn't make, man, yeah. at that age. So what's next for you, man? You've accomplished so much. What's yeah. next on the horizon for you? So I see a lot of me just getting in more immersed into the startup space. Um, you know, shout out to my good brother Mark Monroe for you know bringing me in at FTC. So just soaking up as much knowledge as I can there. And I just see myself traveling the world more and more, speaking on big, bigger stages, um, you know, speaking to different communities. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here in Memphis this this weekend to actually, you know, speak uh, a lot of sponsors for the event. So I, that's what, just what I see for myself in the future. Um, you know, so, yeah, that, that's that's a lot of what I see myself in the, in the near future here right now. I would say 10, 
15 year goal mm-hmm. uh, down the line, like hedge fund. Hedge fund. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'll be dope, man. Yeah. That's that's gonna be major for the for the culture, big time, man. Look, Lawrence, I know, man. Like I said, you got a busy schedule. You got a lot of stuff to do while you're in town, man. I want to just thank you for taking the time out, coming to share with the audience the equity chases. This is going to be one of those conversations that really transform uh, people's thinking because yes, trading is one of those things that hadn't necessarily been on a lot of people's radar. But to see somebody like you that's our color, right? Yeah. That's young, that's doing this, man, you're going to inspire a lot of people. So I want to give you your flowers, man. I appreciate Keep that. doing what you're doing, bro. I'm proud of you, man. Look, in closing, what I want to do is uh, I want to let people know how they can keep up with you, all your socials, and uh, any closing advice. And I actually thought about this one, man, this closing advice piece. I got a 13-year-old nephew. Gotcha. His name is Kaysen. And he got wind that I was trading when I when I was trading. And every time I see him, he's asking, Unc, how do I get into to trading? How do yeah. I get started? So, man, I got a selfish uh, advice to ask you, man. What advice would you give to my 13-year-old nephew that mm-hmm. wants to get started into the stock market? Yeah, so I would say the advice of getting started, um, I would start at 13. If let's say I wanted to start at 13, uh, I would start looking at what things are around your household as a 13-year-old, right, okay. that is publicly traded. Mm-hmm. So I would start, so I would send, I would go on a quest, right, to find, you know, what things are actually traded on the stock market that you're currently using or currently inter- interested in. Yeah. Then when you get of age, like 14, 15, I'm not sure the working age limit, really embrace that. And when you start to make money as a teenager, save as much of your money as possible. Okay. And as well, start at, you know, obviously I would, you know, ask for, uh, you would actually have to have parental permission, but you could even open a brokerage account. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really suggest maybe more so trading, but even a long-term investment, you know, oh, at right. that oh, age. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Those, those would be some, you know, some guidance, first steps. Yeah, that's dope, man. Let people know how they can keep up with you, man. Yeah, so you can follow me at MrLawrence.E on Instagram. That's my main platform. Um, you guys as well can follow me on Twitter at the same handle. Yeah. Um, and then as well, you can follow uh, my YouTube uh, page, the, uh, That Come Up Series. You guys can follow me on, on YouTube as well. So those are my three uh, handles right there. For sure. Listen, man, I, I told you guys, grab a pen, grab a pad. This has been a very profitable conversation, man. For sure. I, I appreciate it. Look, do me a favor, man. If you guys are finding value out of this content, I need you to do me a favor. Smash the subscribe button. Also, do me a favor. I need you to scroll to the description of this video. I'm going to put all of Lauren's information down below. How you can get in touch with his classes, how you can follow him, all of that good stuff. Do me a favor. If you find value out of this, go support him. Make sure you tap in with everything that he has going on. Follow him on social media, man. And do me a favor. Y'all keep plugged in with the equity tab and we'll continue to bring you episodes like this. Look, Lawrence, man, I hope you enjoy your stay while you're in Memphis, man. Get yes, you some sir. good barbecue. Get I got to get that barbecue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, for man. Sure. Look, bro, I appreciate it, man. man. Thank you for coming out. For sure. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on.